Week two of this beautiful series we've got going on right now called 12 Stones. We're calling it 12 Stones because we're looking at a story in the book of Joshua and uh, looking at what God was doing in the, uh, the storyline of the children of Israel as they were crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land. And I believe that's incredibly symbolic because there are different seasons and different times in your life personally and as a church like we are now where you hit these moments where like the crossing of the Jordan River into the promised land isn't a one-time thing. I believe it's a continual process of stepping into new seasons in your relationship and your walk with God. Does that make sense? So um, we're looking at this because God spoke to, um, to Joshua and told him, when you cross over this river, I want you guys to pick out 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And when you get to the other side, I want you to set these stones up as a monument and as a memorial so that for generations to come, your children can look back on this and see those stones in place. When they ask you what they're about, you can tell them the great things that the Lord has done. Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. We're going to pick up reading. Because what we want in this church with our lives is to build a memorial that points to the glory of God and everything that he's done. And the decisions that we make every day give us opportunity to build memorials either to ourselves or to God. And that's what we talked about last week. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones, there it is, that they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. I love digging into the Bible and looking at words on a deeper level because sometimes the versions of Bibles that we have, you realize, are like dynamic translations that put the Bible into a common language that we can read and understand. Okay, They do not take the full scope of the definitions that are um, inferred by these words from the Hebrew or the Greek or the, the Aramaic or, or any of that. It, it all, they, they put it into a common man language today. Okay? When, this, is, this blows me away. When Joshua says, we're doing this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. That word powerful right there, like we think... Yeah, God's powerful. God's got it together. God, God is, he's got big muscles and God can do just about anything. No, that, that word right there, it means more than powerful. It means that God has an overabundance of strength and ability to do what he said that he could do. It's like a constantly renewing and never-ending source of power that God operates out of. That's why we say that God is an omnipotent God. He is all-powerful. That means that he doesn't just have enough to meet our needs. And Sometimes we go to God and we say, God... 
Could you please just help me get a job? God, could you please just help this coworker at work shut up or get transferred or something because I'm sick and tired of dealing. God, can you move in my kid's life and do this, that, and the other? See, this means that God just isn't efficient enough to meet us on that level. That means that he can absolutely handle any situation that we face in life and have a never-ending supply of provision and power on the backside of it. Like It doesn't even put a dent in what he's capable of doing. Do you see this? It's powerful. He's We want to be able to let the world know that our God isn't just a God that can get things done. He can get everything done because there is no other God in this universe that's as powerful as the one that we serve. And he says, we want to do this so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now we read that, and probably if you're not real versed in reading the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, when you see that word fear, okay, it doesn't mean like that we want people to just cower back and be afraid of God because of what He's capable of doing. That word fear there, I really don't even like that translation personally. I think the Amplified Bible has probably got the best translation listed out of that word because that word fear doesn't mean scared and afraid. It means to stand in awe and in reverence of. It means that we stand in awe and in reverence of God with a worshipful motivation because of how powerful He is and who He is. So Joshua's saying, we're doing this so that we can build a memorial for everyone to see so that they know that there is nothing in this universe as powerful as the God that we serve so that people can worship and honor and reverence him because of what he's done and what he's capable of doing. That's the motivation behind all of that. And this is the big motivation behind what we want to do as a church. Because we have an opportunity here, not just today, but every day, to look at the stones. We talked about this last week, but to look at the stones that we're bringing in to contribute to this memorial that we're building for God in our lives, to look at them and say, what are we building? Is it something that serves us? Is it something that's convenient? Is it something that's going to make us secure and comfortable? Or is it something that is going to point to the power and the glory of God and demand that people stand in awe and in reverence of how powerful God is and what he's done in and through our lives? Now, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of monument memorial I want to build with my life. In church world, in the Christian circle, we talked about this a little bit last week. I'm reviewing because sometimes we're not all here on a Sunday to hear what God is speaking to us. So I'm reviewing a little bit so we can all catch up and all be on the same page. Is that cool? All right. So two mindsets are prevalent in the Christian world. And the first one is this. They're going to put it up on the screen for you. To get as much as I can out of my life on earth while I wait on my time to go to heaven. I'm going to let my life on this earth be about me. And I'm going to get the car that I want, have the job that I want, date who I want, marry who I want, 
go on vacation when I want, have the house that I want, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with any of that because I believe that God loves us and God wants to bless us and God wants us to prosper and that God wants us to have the desires of our heart. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen? But when the motivation of your life becomes to acquire those things and build a life unto yourself to satisfy yourself, when, when it's all about you getting or me getting what we can get out of life because our ticket is punched. We've already got the, we already got the ride to heaven. We got it. We got everything that we need, so we're just going to ride it out and go to church on Sunday. And if we're feeling really good, we'll go to church on first Wednesday and let God do some awesome stuff for us. But we forget that our life isn't about us. It's not about us. Here's the second mindset. See, this mindset, number one, I think is a churchgoer's mindset. Mindset number two is someone who has an authentic relationship with Jesus and is a follower of Christ. And that mindset is to take as many people to heaven with me as I can. I'm going to live life. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I need to do. But my life, everything about me is going to be built to bring glory to God and bring as many people into his kingdom as I possibly can with the life that I've been given in him. That's what it's all about. The church across America, and, and you know what? And for a while, early on in my walk with God, this was my mindset too, to, to get what I could from my life because my ticket was punched so that I could go to heaven. But we forget about all the Bible verses See, we love God to bless us. And the church in America right now is so consumer-focused, it is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Very few are the people that have captured the heart of Jesus and are reflecting his heart to reach other people. Okay? We forget about the verses that say, our life is not our own. We were bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. We forget about Colossians that says, listen, you, don't forget that you died. I died. And our life is now hidden in Christ. And our identity is found in him. Our life is not our own anymore. Those verses that say, when Jesus looked at them and said, hey, if you want to be my disciple, that's awesome. That's great. Here's what you need to do. You need to deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Woo! Amen. Amen, pastor. Woo! That's good preaching right there, right there. I'm telling you, we, we forget about those things. Because the heart of Jesus is found it just in one verse. In, put this up here. I believe it's in Luke 19. Yeah. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Guys, that has got to be our lives as people of God, okay? Nothing wrong with living life, nothing wrong with having stuff, but that can't be our motivation. Showing up on Sunday morning and occupying a seat can't be our motivation. If we want to reflect the heart of God, the goal is to be like Jesus, amen? If we want to be like Jesus, the heart of Jesus sooner or later has got to come out in us. He came to seek and save the lost. That has got to be what we are building our lives around to impact as many people as we possibly can, individually and as a church. How many people can we take to heaven with us? 
That's it. That's it. The biggest struggle that a lot of my pastor buddies have is that they can't get the people in their churches to commit to the vision and the direction of the church or to get involved or God bless it, they can't even get them to show up consistently on Sunday mornings to hear the word of God because they're so God blessed, busy and distracted with all the details of their lives. Eastgate Church, we need to reevaluate our priorities. We need to reevaluate our heart and make sure that our hearts are lined up with the word of God and that our lives reflect the life that is submitted to the call of God on our lives. Amen? And I'm not saying that you haven't, and I'm not saying that you're not right now, but I'm just saying, you know what? We need to pause and look at this because God is taking us in a very specific direction as a church. And one, I don't want you to miss out on what he wants to do in and through your life. But I know that we can't accomplish what God is calling us to do as a church if we're not all on board with this. Okay? Now, if you're a guest here today, I probably started this service off way heavy for you. So, okay, take a deep breath. This is more of an insider kind of message today. But you know what? If you're here, you're a guest, you're family, I want you to hear this. Listen, every church in the world needs to be preaching what I just said to you in the first few minutes of this message. We need to make sure we're reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. I started telling you guys last week that I spent a lot of time in prayer because we started the year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And man, I'm telling you, God really did a powerful work in me. I know he did a powerful work in a lot of your lives through that process. And me personally, I was praying and seeking the face of the Lord for the vision for this church and the direction and what he's calling us to do. And I had written some things down on paper. I told you guys last week. Uh, if you weren't here last week, listen, hop online. Go to the message link on our website, eastgatechurch.cc, and listen to last week's message. Um, so you can capture more of the heart. I'm, I'm quickly highlighting, but you need to hear the heart of what we're going to talk about today. And a lot of that was covered last week. Um, praying and sitting before him and wrote some things out on paper. And uh, it was Wednesday, a couple of weeks ago. I just built a fire in the fire pit in the yard and sat out there by it all day, really late morning through the afternoon into the evening and uh, seeking after God vision for this church and I told you last week what God gave us was huge and it didn't look anything like what I had started to write on the paper that I had out there and through the day he would speak to me and give me something and I would pray on it for a half an hour, hour, two hours, and then he would speak and give me something else. And just throughout the day, he started dropping stuff on my spirit. And I want to cover some of that with you today. Like I said, what God is speaking to us is on a very large scope. And we're not going to be able to cover it all in one service or two services. So we're going to take the next few weeks to cover each individual aspect of what he's speaking to us as a church so that we can do it justice because I want you to get this in your heart like I have it in my heart, okay? Um, he's praying, and he gave me 
numbers and began to tell me what those numbers represented. I'm not a numerology guy, and I don't do that, but I just, that's just crazy to me. I think you can go deep into some of that stuff that you drowned, but I know when God speaks to me. And so I shared this with you last week. I was looking at goals for the year, because that's what a good pastor is supposed to do, right? Goals for the year, you know, let's, let's reach this many people, let's do this, you know. And, and I felt the hand of the Lord just say, hold on, stop. And I began to pray, and he gave me the number five. And he told me, I'm going to give you what I'm going to accomplish in and through your church over the next five years. And I said, yes, sir. Let's go. And the whole day was a word, wait. Here's what it means. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's what I want you to do. Yes, sir. Five. Five years. The next five years of our church is going to be awesome. Okay? The next five years of our church is going to be exciting. The next five years of this church's life and journey is going to be amazing to see what God is going to do. Okay? But the next five years of this church, and I want you to hear this before I say anything else. I promise I'm not making you wait on purpose. I want to make sure I'm doing a good job as a pastor. Okay? The next five years of this church's life isn't going to be so much what God does through us. It's going to be what God does in us through the process and the journey. God is about doing things in our lives through the process. and He gives a promise. He gave us a promise of what he was going to do over the next five years. But I'm not excited about the promise so much as I'm excited about what's going to have to happen in us in order for the fulfillment of that promise to take place. That's more important. Okay? God grows us through the journey to the promise more times than not. God is a God who is about the process. God is more concerned about the work he does in us than what he does through us. Because what he does in us determines what he's able to do through us. Okay? And our obedience and sensitivity to what he's leading us to do is everything. Okay? It's everything. You know, James says that we should count it joy when we face trials of many kinds. Because why? Because the testing of our faith produces perseverance perseverance does its work in us and finishes its work so that we can do what so that we can be mature and complete and not lacking anything god works through the situations that we face in life to build faith to teach us so that we can grow and mature and become more like him you look at what he did in the life of david everybody gets excited about david killing goliath that was rowdy you got a kid out there who's taking down a giant with some rocks. Pow! Took him out. That's awesome. I love that. But David was prepared for Goliath. Are y'all with me? He was prepared for Goliath because he had fought a lion and he had fought a bear. And he even made mention to it. He said, look, I've seen what God can do. My God delivered me from the paw of the lion my God delivered me from the paw of the bear. My God's been faithful. And the same God that was faithful then 
is faithful today, and that giant that I'm looking like is going to hit the ground and be just like them because I know the God that I serve. He had prepared David through a season of obedience to take down the giant, which led to another season of obedience to prepare David to do. See what I'm saying? I think that it wasn't really the lion or the bear that prepared David to take down Goliath. I think that battle was decided before it was ever fought when David was obedient to God out in the fields watching over the sheep. Building his relationship with God. Being faithful in the small stuff before he ever got to a lion or a bear or a giant. He was faithful over the small stuff and was consistent in that. And he developed a heart for God. God called him a man after his own heart. And it was the heart of David that was irresistible to God and caused him to choose David to be the king of Israel. It was the heart that David developed out in the field. You see, God grows us. He grows us through the journey that leads to the fulfillment of the promise. And over the next five years, church, we're going to be on a journey of growth and faithfulness, and seeing God move mountain after mountain, and watching God knock down barrier after barrier, and it's all going to be to his glory, but each victory is going to lead to the next victory, because God is going to be in the process of, of growing us through the journey that he's taken us on as a church. That gets me excited, because that means that where you are right now in your walk with God isn't where you're going to be in five years. If you stick to the process, you understand me? Your ability to hear God right now is going to pale in comparison to your ability to hear God in five years. Your knowledge of the word right now is nothing compared to what you're going to be able to do. Your level of faith, the power that God moves through you, the, the miracles, signs, wonders, the, the ministries that are going to be birthed out of this church because of the growth that happens in us, it's all going to be part of the journey. And it's all going to be because God works in us before he works through us. Amen? Listen, now this is on us as a church. Because I got to believe that through the years that God's spoken to a lot of churches and laid out a lot of promises. And they faltered like the children of Israel. Walking up to the banks of the Jordan. You remember, God said, hey, I'm going to take you down to the promised land. I'm going to give all that to you. And the first group of Israelites that left Egypt didn't get to go into the promised land because they jacked up the journey. They never learned to trust. They never learned to be still and just be in the presence of God. They never learned. All they did was murmur and complain and doubt. And when they, the time came for them to cross over and to see God do something big moving across the Jordan into the promised land, they didn't have the level of faith that they needed to get it done because they hadn't learned one blessed thing on the journey that God tried to take them through to prepare them for that moment. So the choice is ours as a church. Okay? I think we have a great opportunity to see God do something powerful over the next five years. Okay, I'm excited because that means that I, I get to grow as a pastor. I get to grow in my calling. I get to grow in my leadership. I get to grow closer to God than I ever have been before. I get to do that. You get to do the same thing too. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be exciting. I'm more excited about that than I am about anything else because that's what matters. Okay? I was praying, and the Lord started giving some numbers 
to me. And the first one that he gave, I'll share this with you today, 2000. 2000. I prayed on that for a while. Well, what does this mean? And he began to walk me through and explain to me that over the next five years, if we move in step, okay, I want you to hear me. And I want you to understand something too before I, before I do this, all right? These are not my numbers, okay? These are the numbers that the Lord put on my heart. Now, I know that I can't convince you of that, okay? But I'm telling you with all integrity before the Lord that these are numbers that the Lord has put on my heart. These are not numbers that Pastor Josh sat down and came up with and thought would be cool to put on a piece of paper to come up here and try to talk you into shooting for as an ignorant bunch of people that follow God. Okay? I respect you too much for that. I respect the call of God on my life too much for that. And I know I'm going to have to give account for what I say up here. So in in integrity before God, these are numbers that he has given me to throw out to you guys. Did I, did I just get really loud there for a second? All right. I guess the media team is making sure that you pay attention this morning. All right. Um, 2000. The Lord laid on my heart that we, say, have an opportunity, but that sounds so ambiguous. I, he wants to see us. He's going to put us in a position to see 2,000 salvations through this church over the next five years of ministry from this church. I wanted to do a backflip when I heard that. He gave me another number, and it was a 1,000, and I prayed on that for a little while. Um, oh, what is a 1,000? What does this mean? He's 2,000 people getting saved. I was still kind of stuck on that because me as a pastor, I start thinking, holy dang, uh, we don't have the structure for that kind of influx right now, okay? We don't have the things in place as a church to be able to keep up with that many people, okay? How are we going to reach that many people because we don't have the outreaches from the church right now to reach that many people? How are we going, how are we going to connect with that many people? We don't have the financial power right now to make the things happen, to reach that many people, and then the Lord said a 1,000. I was like, yes, sir, I'll shut up. You understand what I'm saying? So I prayed on that for a little while. And after a while, he laid on my heart that we were going to see a thousand people baptized in this church over the next five years. Okay? Very excited about that. I'm very excited about that as a pastor. I'm scared to death of it too as a pastor because that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And then I started thinking about percentages and numbers and this, that. And I thought, 2,000 salvations through this church. Wow, that's a lot of people getting saved per year. And he said, no, don't think about that. Yes, sir. Your job's not to figure that out right now. Your job is to trust and step into what I'm calling you to do in each season of this five-year journey. Yes, sir. I started doing percentages and looking at 
what happens if you have a, a decent assimilation process in place in a church. Assimilation is a 50-cent fancy-sounding word that means the ability to move people from point A to point B in your church, okay? To get them from salvation into becoming involved in the church and growing in their faith. That's what it's called, discipleship, all right? If you have a good discipleship process in your church to help people grow, um, 35% is the average retention rate that you'll see in churches that have a good process in place. And I thought, wow, that's, that's going to translate into a lot of people. That means we're going to have to get a process in place, too, that we don't have. And I thought it was cool, too, because we've already been working on... Uh, a step program called Next Steps that Pastor Brad's been working to put together and Pastor Jeremy's helped some too um, that's going to take people from someone who's just stepped through the doors of our church through a process of hearing our heart and our vision figuring out what God is calling them to do figuring out how the church can help them do that and then finding a place of ministry within the church so God's already been laying on our hearts to get that step in place and we're going to start that in the next couple of months very excited about that Okay, so this membership class that we're having today after service is going to be the last one like it. From here on out, it's going to be a next step process to work you through uh, a real basic discipleship, entry-level kind of thing. And we'll figure out the next step of the next steps after that. So I think it's pretty cool. 35%. Um, I ran the numbers on that. And I was like, man, that's, that, you know what 35% of 2,000 is? I'll tell you, 700. 700. And I didn't realize this till I sat down and just started tweaking numbers. 70% is a percentage you want to pay attention to because of when people get baptized after salvation in a church, the retention rate on those people sits at about 70%. And then I had two nuts bumped together in my head, and I thought, holy junk, 35% of 2,000 is 700. 70% of 1,000 700. Now, that's my number. That's not necessarily a number that God has put before us. This is a number I landed on myself. This is Josh's number. I want you to understand that. God gave 2,000. God gave 1,000. Josh ran percentages on possibilities and came out with an average of 700. We're potentially looking at an influx of 700 people baptized and growing in their faith and walk with God because of the ministries that are happening in this church over the next five years. Now listen, that can be, we can hit below that or we can hit above that because these are just averages and percentages and you know what they're worth. Not a lot. But it gives us a good base number to look at. I started getting excited. And I've had to wait a few weeks now to get up here and, and tell you. And I'm trying to play cool right now because I want to jump around this stage and shout. Because you understand how awesome this is? Do you understand how awesome? You know how hard it's going to be to find a seat in this place? You know what a nightmare parking is going to become? 
Do you understand how many services we're going to have to be rocking in five years if we follow through with this and do what God is calling us to do and we all grow through this process? This is going to be amazing. I am so grateful that we waited before God and didn't blaze our own trail and come up with our own idea or our own agenda. We sat and we waited and we prayed and we waited for the voice of the Lord and he spoke and he gave us a promise, guys, and I'm so grateful for what he's speaking over this church. We're going to see 2,000 people cross over from death to life. We're going to see 1,000 people go public with their faith and say, God has changed me from the inside out. I can't wait to see that happen. I can't wait to see that happen. But it's incredibly dependent on us. It's incredibly dependent on us. Because it's not about the promise. And I want you to I get excited about the numbers, and I do, man. The potential is awesome. I can't wait to see these people crying at the altar. I can't wait to see the families healed and the marriages restored. I can't wait to see all that stuff going on. But as a pastor, I am more excited about the growth that is going to have to happen in us and in this church in order to see the fulfillment of the promise. Because God is taking us on a journey. Okay? Promise is the destination. Yeah, The promise that he's putting out five years down the road, I think is just a curve before we hit to the next promise. You know what I mean? But there's growth that's going to have to take place. So what does this mean? It's going to be happening in our church um, a lot. A lot. Some of the things we're going to have to change are going to be radical changes in our church. Okay, And I love this because this means for this to happen, a lot of us are going to have to reevaluate our lives and our priorities and what we call important. This is what God has been speaking to us, I think, for like the last five weeks of services here one way or another in this church. He won't get away from it. He won't get off of it. And I guess he's trying to talk to us. It means we're going to change some things. And that's great. Whatever God wants, I'm down for. So we're going to see some stuff um, begin to, to change, like immediate things that we can do practically as a church to put ourselves in position to see some of this stuff happen this year. These are blanks that we can begin to fill in. Um, and your staff and leaders are praying, and, and we're going to continue to seek the face of the Lord and figure out what goes in these blanks. Because I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Okay, I could be cool pastor this morning and say, here's my 32-point plan on how we're going to accomplish everything God has spoken to us. Okay, can I just be honest? Look, here's my answer. I ain't got a clue. Okay, be honest with you. I ain't got a clue. I have some ideas, and I, uh, I know practical workings of ministry, and I know A and B will equal C and these things like that. I just, But as far as what God's going to do and how God's going to do it. Look, I'm telling you, I'm comfortable enough in my walk with God to say as a pastor, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's going to go in all the blanks, but I know who does. Okay? And some of you are going to be the answers that go into some of those blanks because there's going to be ministries that are birthed out of here that are sitting in your hearts right now that God's been speaking to you, okay? There are going to be places to serve right now that have no one there to serve because God is speaking to you to step up and become involved in this church and serve in those areas. Why? Because we're going to need an army in place to reach this community 
the way that God wants us to do it. Now, what kind of life do you want to build? What kind of stone do you want to carry and set down as a memorial? See, this is what God is speaking to us. So we're going to look at community outreach. We're going to be talking about this a lot this year. What we can do to become more involved in reaching our community. And it's going to be things like simple old school stuff from like baking cookies, throwing them in a Ziploc bag, putting them in a nice little gift bag, and letting a handful of people go out to a four-way stop where traffic is backed up. And just, we'll have people up there holding signs that say, free cookies from Eastgate Church. We love you. And if they want to roll down their window and get a cookie, we'll drop a bag of cookies in there with a little, with some gift certificates maybe to area restaurants with a little card on there that says, hey, we love you at Eastgate Church. We're here for you anytime you need us. If you, something's going on, you want us to pray for you, hit us up on our website or something like that. And a little your invited card that goes in there. And we'll give them out by the thousands. That's old school. But you know what? Old school still works. You know? Um, working with the PRC. Working with the pantry. These are already great ministries that we're partnering with. We want to partner with new ministries in the area. Because we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to come alongside ministries that are incredibly effective. And we want to birth new community ministries and projects um, from this church to reach the area around us. I got some ideas rattling. But we still need to pray through them. And work them out a little bit before I bring them before you. So you'll be hearing about that um, as I talk to the uh, directional team and the board. And, and make sure that we're all in step and uh, we get these things laid out. So um, community outreach is going to be huge. Social media outreach is another one. You heard me right. Shocker. Facebook doesn't have to be all about political arguments. I'll let you digest that for a second. It can be a powerful tool to reach people. Okay? We have found a ministry strategy we've been looking at um, for the last several months, thinking about whether or not we want to pull the trigger on it. Um, there's some really cool systems out there to use targeted ads to reach people on Facebook, Instagram, different social media platforms that will direct them to our website. A website that will have something on there called a plan of visit have it's a plan of visit strategy so we strategically market different things out to the community they come down to a site about our church they have the opportunity to plan a visit in advance because sometimes coming to church is a little weird if you're not used to coming to church you know what i mean remember the first time that you walked in here you might have felt at home we hope you felt that way but a lot of people can be apprehensive about coming into church so they're going to have the opportunity to schedule a visit to come in on a Sunday, we'll have a place for them to park. We'll have a member of our First Impressions team ready to greet them and their family when they get out of the car. They'll walk them into the church. We'll be available to take them on a tour of the facility, answer any questions that they have, make sure their children get where they need to get, and they'll come in here and sit down in service, and that person who meets them at the car will sit with them in service and make sure that they have a beautiful experience without apprehension. I think that's awesome. Tied to the social media stuff, okay, is this is genius to me. But we're going to have the ability to build a prayer ministry through social media to the community through ads and key little things that we can put out there so that if they're going through a tough time in life and they see a, a little something from Eastgate that says something like, hey, does life stink right now? Click this link and somebody will pray for you. Not everybody's going to do that. 
But tell me you haven't been at a point in your life where it was bad enough that you probably would have done something like that. They'll click that link. Churches are doing this right now. They'll click that link. It'll go to a platform where they can put in their prayer request. It's going to ding whatever pastor we have on call at the moment. They'll be able to get that prayer request, go back to the platform. This is what's cool. After they said, my life is jacked up right now. Can you pray for me for this right here? We'll be able to do one. We'll either be able to do a voice recording of us praying for them and send it back to them, or we can give a video of us praying for them and their need and send it back to them. So when they open up the, the, the response that they're going to get from us, they're going to see me or Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Brad. Hopefully Jeremy or Brad so they won't be as scared. But they'll see us and say, hey, uh, saw you are going through this. Just want to pray with you right now. God, be with Tammy. Lord, speak to Tammy. Work out this stuff in her life. Let her know that you love her. We love you too, Tammy. And we're always here for you if you need anything. And that's it. And we've been able to pray for and reach someone in the community that would never come to church. But maybe, eventually, they'll hit the site and go to plan a visit and come in so we can give them some Jesus. It all works together. I love that. We're about $1,500 away from seeing that a reality in our church. Wouldn't that be awesome to see that as an outreach tool of the church? It would be great. It would be awesome. Maybe you got the means to make that happen this morning. That's something I'd love to get in place yesterday, but that's something that we can be doing. Targeted services. Target services, what does that mean? Christmas. Easter. Easter's coming up. Easter's a perfect opportunity to invite people to church. We are, uh, the leadership team right now, we're praying and, and working out the logistics of the Easter service and what we're, we're listening to God, and we're going to put all that together. And We're not just going to have an Easter service this year, though. We're going to try to tie our Easter service into a big community outreach at the same time so that we can reach the community and give them Jesus on Easter. That's going to be awesome. So it's not just going to be the people that we bring with us, but it's going to be the people that we can connect with in the community also outside of our sphere of influence. So it's, it's going to be pretty cool to see that happen. Bridge events, these are going to be key to our strategy that we can work this year with the stuff that we have. Super Bowl party. Game nights, uh, fight nights for, for guys, uh, fondue nights for the ladies. Y'all ever been to a women's ministry fondue night? Fun? Guys, I know you haven't, but some of the ladies have. They're fun. They like to fondue. I don't get it. Little bitty bites of food that you cook it. I don't get that. I want food. I don't want food, but the ladies like food so they can make it and dip it. And you know what? More power to you. Fondue it up. That's cool. But there'll be things that we can do. Hype nights for, for the student ministry. Um, outreaches for the children's ministry, these, these bridge events, vacation Bible school, different things like that we can do to reach the community. Um, Sunday experiences. We get 52 Sundays a year to give people Jesus. That's awesome. Okay, This is going to be the most consistent thing we can do to reach the people around us. And here's the deal. In most churches, this is the most overlooked opportunity because we get used to coming to church. Because a lot of people come to church to come to church and then go live their lives. But if our mission is reaching people for Jesus, Sunday mornings take on a whole new meaning. Okay? 52 opportunities. And we're going to gear um, services to uh, be incredibly impactful for people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And there's another big one, online campuses. An online campus 
from the church, not just a live stream of services, but an online campus, okay? And you're going to see this happen this year. It's going to be awesome. If it doesn't happen, I don't care if I have to sell blood. I don't care if I have, I don't, I don't know. We may go rob drug dealers or something and give the money to Jesus. However, we're going to come up. I'm kidding, of course. But kind of, I don't know. We'll find a way to make this stuff happen. We're going to begin by doing a delayed broadcast of service, just the message. And as we get better, we're going to eventually have a live stream of the entire service, worship all the way through. Okay, And we want to take that live stream and build it into an online campus to have a virtual church that can reach people in different states, in different countries, in different parts of the world. They might not be able to physically attend Eastgate Church. Yeah, it'll serve to help us if we've got sick kids or if we can't make a service so that we can still be engaged in what's happening. But it's going to become an outreach from this church so that we can reach people that don't do church and maybe eventually get them in here, but we're going to be able to reach them where they are. Do you know that churches that are using this as an outreach are seeing more people reached online and coming to know the Lord than they're seeing physically in their buildings? Okay? We can only fit so many people in here. All right. If we did the chairs just show, so and, and crammed everybody in, we might be able to pack close to 300 people in here for a service in this room. Okay? Multiple services. Okay, we do two services. That's 600 people. Uh, if we do three services, that's 900 people. If we do more than three services, then you're going to have to start giving your pastor vitamin B infusions after the third service to make it happen. And you get this, but there's only so many people, but there's no limit to who we can reach online. Okay? It just takes manpower, skill set, and resources. But these are things we're going to make happen this year. Is this exciting? Okay? These are things that we don't, we're not doing right now at the church that we're going to be able to do this year to get ourselves in position this year to move into what God's called us to do. Now, in my heart, in my spirit, I see this working in a compounding way. Okay? If you take a dollar and you invest it, you're not going to see much return on that dollar in the first year. Maybe even the second year. But the third year, you're going to see something come back. The fourth year, you're going to see it compound. The fifth year and beyond, you're going to see exponential growth. I kind of see that happening. We're going to get ourselves in position now and see what God does and see how it grows but I see this compounding over the years as we grow as a congregation and grow into what God is calling us to do. Make sense? What is everybody looking at up here right now? Is there a bug or something? I can't stand it. Y'all are all looking up here and it's driving me insane. I'm ADD like crazy. What is that? Is a moth? All right. That moth needs to get saved, okay? We're going to pray for the moth to get saved today. Uh, a lot of great stuff happening. I've given you six things that we're going to be able to change and grow into this year. I want to give you the seventh, all right? The seventh is simple, and it's called each one reach one. Each one reach one. Now, this is where our growth comes into play. See, structure and programs and ministry, all that stuff's great, but we can't get away from the call of God for us to individually carry out the Great Commission in our lives. Each one reach one. That doesn't mean each one stand up on the break table and preach to the people at work, okay? That doesn't mean each one make family gatherings incredibly awkward by preaching as everyone's gathered around the table to pray. All right, that means each one, as God gives opportunity, 
We show the love of God to people. We serve people. And we take the opportunities to speak into people's lives. And let them see what God's done in us before we tell them about what God can do in them. Okay? That's huge. A lot of times people get intimidated when pastors start talking. Each one, reach one. You know, it's time for me to find a new church because this guy's going to have to. Don't go find a new church. Okay? Don't go hiding. Think about this. What are you going to tell God when you stand before him? And you have to give an account for your life. See, all this stuff that we're going to have the opportunity to build, man, it's either going to be for ourselves or it's going to be for him. It's going to be for us or it's going to be for him. And when we stand before him, we're going to have to give an account for that. And I don't want to look him in the eyes and have him say, why didn't you step out into the opportunities that I gave you? Why were you so stubborn and you had to build this? You had to do this. You had to buy that. Why did you bury yourself in debt so that you could not give to missions, so that you could not support the student ministries? Why did you become so consumed and so bottled into your own life that you forgot that I had called you to? And you missed all the opportunities that I set before you. I don't want that when I stand before God. I want to hear, come on in. Well done, good and faithful servant. I ran the race I was supposed to run. I did the task that God assigned for me. I walked it out and I was obedient. And nobody else on the planet did what God wanted them to do. I did my best. That's what I want. Now, what about you? What about you? Each one, reach one. And it's not as complicated as you think. Here's a guy. had a rough life he had lost his mother he lost family members lost a sister lost friends they all died guys just hurting and you guys know when you're hurting and you don't know the Lord you turn to something to numb the pain you turn to something to try to fill the void and, and to, to, to kind of just take the sting out of what's happening in life. And so he turned to drugs. He started using meth. And he started not just using, but dealing. He's in and out of jail. Not much direction in life processing through this stuff hurting and I went to a person's house who was helping me work on my wife's car which there for a while was a full time job (laughs) something was always breaking on that thing and this guy was helping me work on my wife's car and the guy that I'm telling you about just happened to be there too. He was helping around the garage and helping work on my wife's car and I didn't know him from Adam. And I felt just kind of prompted that you need to talk to that guy about his walk with God and about church. Now, following the prompting of God is very key. All right? Because you don't want to just beat people over the head 
with the Bible. Okay, that's done in a lot of circles. and It doesn't produce much fruit. So, I don't even remember the details of the conversation. But we just talked. Turned wrenches and, and hung out. Then it ended up being the guy whose place I was at was working on the car. And me and this other guy were just talking. And talking. And it wasn't too long after that. He made a decision in his life. And he came to church here. and he surrendered his heart to God God radically changed his life he doesn't deal drugs anymore he doesn't use drugs anymore he's not perfect but he's growing one step at a time in his relationship with God okay you're clapping right now but you don't even know who I'm talking about yet okay his name is Russell. Russell, stand up right now. And I asked Russell, hey, man, do you mind if I share just a little bit about your story? And he's like, oh, yeah, you go ahead, Pastor Josh. If it's going to help somebody know about what God did in my life, then you go for it. Each one reach one. Just an everyday life. Okay, that was awesome. You know what's really awesome to me? That Russell didn't just get saved. He didn't just get involved because he serves on the ushers team and the security team and the church now. Saved and involved in church. The dude's here almost every time we open up the doors because he's excited about what God's doing in his life. Me, I get real excited about this because this also happened in Russell's life. We I love that. Russell, is there anything you'd like to say to the church? I just want to thank the Lord for it. Save me and bring me where I am today? Yes, sir. All right. Well, Russell, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That's what I want to see over and over and over and over again. Okay? I stop and think, how many people do you know right now that could be the next Russell for this church? How many people do you work with? How many family members do you have? How many people do you know that right now, if they don't have Jesus, they are going to die and they're going to go to hell because they've got the potential of being one of the 2,000 that we get to see cross over from death to life over the next five years in this church. Maybe they get to be one of the thousand that we're going to see baptized over the next five years in this church. Each one reach one. Now, we're going to do our part as a church to create opportunities to make that happen. And we're going to have to create a lot of them. And that's cool. But it never goes beyond us reaching others. Jesus preached to the multitudes. But over and over again, you see him ministering to the individual that individual ministry that